morning. And listen, I don't know if you've noticed this, but my partner in crime, my husband, Pradeepan Jiva, is not here with me. And uh, he, that is because he got just this beautiful invitation to go across the street and preach this morning at Doxa Church. At Doxa Church. So he's there preaching two services this morning. I mean, how beautiful is that? That an incredibly uh, just powerful, influential church here in our city has invited someone from Campbell's Church, our very own pastor, to come and speak and encourage their congregation. Isn't that awesome? That's so awesome. Let me just tell you the story really quick. Last year at this time, Campbell's Church, which you're sitting in right now, if you forgot or been in the wrong place, Campbell's Church in the comedy club. Uh, we were a dream and a website. We were not meeting yet. We were not here at the comedy club yet. And I'll never forget, Doxa Church had heard about us. Pastor Pritham and I had met the pastors there. And they said, hey, would you guys like to come to our church, stand up on stage, and tell everyone what you're doing? And then you're launching a church. We were launching in September. Would you tell them and tell them your vision? And we were like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Totally we'll go. So we get up there and we go, and I'll never forget this, you guys. You're getting some inside information here. We're sitting up and uh, we're sharing, and uh, one of the pastors at that church hands us an envelope and says, hey, we just want you guys to know the new church plant across the street to know that we're behind you, that we believe in you, that we need more churches in our city to reach people who need Jesus. So we're behind you. And so Pastor Dream and I are like, oh my gosh, this is, this is unheard of. Like what a kingdom-minded church, right? So we uh, take the envelope and me and Pritipin, we go sit down in our chairs at Doxa. And I open this envelope and I read this card and a check falls out of this card. And uh, I like open the check and I immediately just well up with tears. And I'm crying. And I'm going like this to Pradeepan. And I'm like, look at this check, look at the check, look at the check. And I'm like crying and I'm like kind of freaking out. I'm like, look, honey, look at the check. He's not trying to pay attention. And I'm like, pay attention to the check. And uh, he looks at the check. And Doxton Church gave Kalos Church $10,000 that morning. Can we give it up for Jesus? Rested here. 
here in our church, but also rest at Doxon Church. Lord, we lift you up and we thank you for the church of Jesus Christ that makes an impact all together. In the name of Jesus, amen. Awesome. Well, let me talk to you about soul detox, okay? I think that we all need a soul detox, and I'll tell you why in just a second. But first, I want to know, how many of you have ever done some sort of detox or cleanse? Anybody ever done a cleanse or a detox in your body? Like, you've done, like, like try to, like, flush everything out, you know? Well, 10 years ago, I decided that I was going to do my very first detox, and it was because I had a crush on Pastor Pradeepa, we were not dating yet, and he, well, we had a question. He always did these crazy adventures with his friends, and uh, he decided to do, they decided to do the master cleanse, okay? Anybody heard of the master cleanse? So I decided, okay, I like this boy. I kind of wanted to think I'm cool, so I'm going to jump on to this master cleanse. And the master cleanse, let me just tell you what you have to do. So I did this for a week, and I felt like I was going to die every day. And this is what we did. Every single morning, we drank. The first thing you get up, you drink a quarter of a gallon of salt water. I wanted to puke every morning. Okay, a quarter of a gallon of salt water. Then I had to make this concoction in my like giant Nalgene bottle of water, lemon, fresh lemon, honey, and cayenne pepper. Right? Yes. And it's it actually that was not the disgusting part. Believe it or not. Um. The salt water took the cake on that one, okay? So then I had to drink that throughout the day. No food, okay? A cleanse means you don't eat food. And then at night, I had to drink what was called, like, cleansing tea. Cleansing tea. This is the master cleanse, you guys. And here's what we all begin to find out about the master cleanse. When you do the master cleanse, when you drink a quarter of a gallon of salt water, you have to go to the bathroom something fierce. And when it hits you, it hits you, and it's fast, and it's fierce, and it's gross. Okay? I'll leave it at that. And I tell you what, it was so disgusting. And one morning, one morning, I drank my quarter of a gallon of salt water. I made my concoction of all this other stuff. And I get in my car to drive, and all of a sudden, the master cleanse begins to become the master of my body. And I am stuck in traffic! I cannot move my car! And I'm like, Jesus, I'm a grown woman! Please don't let this happen in my car! And it was so, like, emergency mode. I was like, oh my gosh, the master cleanse is doing its job. And thankfully, God made a way. He parted the, the cars. I got off an exit. And I went to the bathroom! I went to the bathroom. I talked about the master cleanse was doing its job. The master cleanse was doing its job. And as I think about the gunk that is in our bodies because of the things that we eat and, you know, whatever, things we consume, I also want us to consider the kind of gunk and uh, heaviness and dizziness that is in our souls. You know, God created us to have a body to have a spirit and to have a soul. And our soul, I remember learning this years ago and this changed me and it mattered to me. My soul is made up of my mind, my will, and my emotions. How many of you, you don't have to return to this, would say, my mind is always going, I can't get it to stop. It just, it just goes and goes and goes. Or your emotions, are you someone who on a whim makes emotional decisions? Are you always trying 
control everything, and you can't control everything, and it's driving you nuts, and it's fueling more of the tense and the stress. Is your soul full of heaviness and difficulty? Are you just kind of like, like going through the mud as you think about your soul? I think that we are living in a society where in some ways we're kind of, we're like, we're like inhaling the second-hand smoke of our society and our soul are being filled. And it's and they're, and they're restless and it's harming us. How many of you would say that you are a workaholic? Ever heard that term? You're a workaholic. I was talking to a friend about this yesterday. You're a workaholic. Okay, let me just tell you. For those of you who are like, I'm not a workaholic, but work all the time, let me just tell you this. Answer these questions. You can answer these questions. This is how you know if you are a workaholic. I read this in several research uh, areas that I've read about today. So here, this week. So here, this will tell you if you are a workaholic. You think of how you can free up more time to work. You spend much more time working than initially intended. You work in order to reduce feelings of guilt, anxiety, helplessness, and depression. You have been told by others to cut down on work without listening to them. This is all like, some of you are like, oh, what? You become stressed if you are prohibited from working, which really to me that just means you become stressed if you're not stressed. Because you're uncomfortable without being stressed out all the time, right? You deprioritize hobbies, leisure activities, and exercise because of your work. You are so much that it negatively influences your health. Some of you are like, honey, you're a workaholic. Admit it. Admit it. We are workaholics. We value productiveness at the expense of our soul. And we're restless and we're struggling. The scripture talks about a restless soul. And I believe that this is so important that we're going to spend four entire Sundays on this topic. Because as people who live with God, we need to be able to have peace and, and, and begin to soul detox and function differently than we have been. Are you somebody who says, I find my identity in being productive? I don't know who I am without work. I don't know, I feel useless if I've done nothing to help me feel better because I just got to keep going. The scriptures talk about this, and the scriptures talk about a restless soul as a curse. As a curse. There were two brothers in the scriptures, Cain and Abel. And Cain killed Abel, his brother, out of jealousy and malice. He killed his own brother. And God spoke this word to Cain in Genesis 4, verse 11 through 12. He says this, Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be, can we all read this together? You will be a restless wanderer on the you will be a restless wanderer, a curse. <coughs> we have restless souls. Some of us are restless wanderers. Let me tell you some sentences that I believe help us understand what a restless soul looks like. A restless soul is searching but never finding. Is interested in everything but satisfied with nothing. Is that you this morning? Do you have a restless soul? Some of us are going so hard and so fast and so often 
all the toil and anxious striving with which he labors under the sun. All his days his work is pain and grief. Even at night his mind does not rest. Oh boy. I told pretty Finn. I said, listen, I'm preaching this message and I don't want to be a hypocrite. But I, I lay in my bed and my mind is going. My will and my emotions, my soul is restless and going. And the scriptures actually talk about this. And I started doing this thing last year because I was like, I want to figure out how to calm myself. You know, like, there are those people that tend to be like, relaxed and just kind of like, it doesn't really seem like anything stresses them out. And there's people like me who are just wired to stress. Anybody else like that? You're just kind of wired that way. And so I started doing this thing last year where I did a mental picture, okay, laying in my bed. And I just did this mental picture because I have all these things going on like in my head, like like work and laundry and ministry and da 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 just on and on and on. And I just picture a computer screen with all these tabs open. And in order to fall asleep, what I start doing is to close the tabs. So I'm going to show you this. Can you just put those tabs? You see my tabs? So many tabs. Welcome to Hopping the Spring. Okay, this is like my brain at night, okay? And uh, I tell you what, all these tabs are open. I'm trying to sleep. I can't sleep with all the tabs open. So can we just close some of those tabs? Oh, yes. Oh, that feels amazing. Oh, I'm just getting more and more free. My restless soul is fucking rest. All those tabs. Yeah, keep going. Let's just get them. Oh, man, it's amazing. Yes, the tabs Beautiful, beautiful sleep. So many tabs opened my soul. It was so restless. It was so difficult to fall asleep. And I knew I had to do something. So where do we find rest for our soul? Where do we find it? And how do we practically find rest for our soul? Maybe some of you are going to take my little tab idea and it's going to work for you. Then I want to give us some deeper and more practical thoughts about our restless soul. And if you're searching this morning, if you say, my soul will not be quiet, I don't know, Amanda, how to quiet my mind, my thoughts, my will, my emotions. I don't know how to be still. I don't know how to do that. Search no longer, my friend. Search no longer. Where do we find rest for our soul? Psalm 62 says, Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. My soul finds rest in God. Can we just say that together? My soul finds rest in God. My soul finds rest in God. We're going to say that several times today until we believe it all together. Okay? St. Augustine says this. He says, You have made us for yourself, O Lord. And our soul is restless until it finds rest in you. Matthew 11, 28 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Many of us are going through life with restless souls, and it is deeply impacting us negatively. It is messing with your marriage. It is messing with how you parent. It is messing with your livelihood because your soul is restless. So I have three thoughts for us today. Three thoughts. 
that are scripturally sound that I believe will bring rest to your soul. Number one is this. Be still. Be still. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. It does not say, be productive and know that I am God. Be busy and know that I am God. This is me, okay? I'm not the first to admit. I am all business. Business, business, business. And I'm like, yeah, God is good. He's on his throne. But I have not become still and know that he is God. And quiet my soul. And trust that God is going to take care of everything else. Be still and know that I am God. There are moments when my two-year-old, Obi, is literally crazy and running around the house. He has giant curly hair, and when he runs, his hair just bobs like this. And he is two, and he never stops. Good Lord, he never stops moving. And there are those times that I pick him up, and I hold him really tight. Because right now, I tell him this too, I'm like, right now, Mom is bigger than you. That will not always be the case. But I am bigger and I am stronger. And so I hold it and he wiggles and he wiggles and he tries really hard to squirm out of my arms until he finally gives up. And his body just relaxes and he just cuddles into his mom. And I'm telling you, some of us need to look at our soul and say, sit down and be still. Like my two-year-old, sit down and some of you are like, okay, go I'm like, don't lose it. It's stressing me out already to try not to be stressed. But God says to be still. And I know some of you may say, I don't have time to be still. And I'm going to say to you in all seriousness, you don't have time to not be still. You don't have time to not be still. And I want to encourage you to every single day take five minutes. And it's going to be a painful five minutes. But would you take five minutes a day and would you be still? Would you quiet your heart? A couple years ago, I told Brady and I said, honey, I don't want to quiet my heart. He said, I'm going to just be still. Just be still. Let all, the, let all the tabs close. And be still. Fight for this. Fight for stillness. We have what we call a family day, a family Sabbath in my family. And let me just tell you, for those of you who don't know what Sabbath is, it's in Leviticus 23, and Jesus says that it is important for us to take a Sabbath. So if you're somebody who works seven days a week and never takes a break, this might convict you. Leviticus 23 says this, work six days. The seventh day is a Sabbath, a day of total and complete rest, a sacred assembly. Don't do any work. Wherever you live, it is a Sabbath. And my husband said, oh, we are going to take a Sabbath. We are people who teach and preach and run a church on Sundays. We need a Sabbath. And he said, I want us to take Fridays and Friday to be a Sabbath. And so we started doing that. Guess what I did? Laundry, cooking, grocery. There's no other time to do it. This is the day to get all this other stuff done. And he called me out on it. This is our Sabbath. Our children need us to take the Sabbath. That was actually incredibly motivating for me. Our marriage needs us to take the Sabbath. Our church needs us to take the Sabbath and consider having a soul that is not so restless. Remember, my soul finds rest. 
ago when I was abandoned at the house of a woman in India. Thank you, God, that you rescued me. Thank you, God, that I can stand here, that I have a family who loves me, that I have a family who raised me. God, thank you that you died on the cross and I get to know who you are. Thank you that I get to preach the gospel. Thank you for my two-year-old. I mean, I tell you what, once you start, it will keep going. Because you will begin to think about what God has done. Like I said, sometimes I go all the way back to that doorstep that I was left on. And God rescued me. And he's rescued you today. And he doesn't want you to live in this restless rat race. Productivity is okay. But we must live in a way where our souls find rest in God. We can be people of rest, I believe. Be still. Wait. And remember the goodness of God in your life. I encourage you, if you're moms and dads in this room, would you do this at breakfast in the morning? If you're married, would you do this laying at night in your bed? Would you spend some actual time being still and resting and considering the things that God has done? Believe that this is highly, highly important for your life. Craig Rochelle says this. I love that he says this. He said, listen, if Satan can't make us bad, he'll make us dizzy. can't make us bad, he'll make us dizzy. Sometimes we think the people who are bad, who do bad things, they're the ones far from God. But how many of us are walking into church every Sunday so busy, so restless, that really it's hindering our life with God. It's hindering our life with one another. This is a great, great challenge for us in the next four weeks to go on a soul how many of you will say, I want to go on soul detox? My soul is heavy. I want to rest in my soul. So we're going to do this in this moment. I'm going to teach you, like I had to really teach myself, how to quiet our souls. How to take a moment of stillness and rest. So I want you to close your eyes. Quiet your soul. This is what that means. I want you to take all the thoughts that are going through your mind and I want you to just quiet them. Make them still. Take the feelings that you have, the feelings that you're dealing with in church this morning. Would you just make them still right now? You know, God is Alpha and the Omega. Be still and know that I am God. Let me tell you who God is. He is your comforter. He is your king. He is the savior. He is your shepherd. He's the beginning and the end. His love is greater than your mistakes.
your eyes on the screen because today is a beautiful day. Someone gave their life to Jesus. And I want us to read this prayer together. And for, for you to raise your hand, I want you to know that this day has marked your life forever. So let's read this all together as a church and accept Jesus. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Take control of my life. I turn from my old ways and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Can we give it up for Jesus?